We are a community that loves like Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that this would be a transformative space for you. Not just today, but every time you tune in. We're continuing our sermon series called the Sermon on the Mount. And today's sermon is titled, The Law of Love, Radical Grace. Now this passage of scripture that we're going over today in the Sermon on the Mount is very important. And we want to camp out on these verses just for two more times, this week and the next, and we can learn a lot out of this section of the Bible. There's a gentleman by the name of N.T. Wright. He's an author and also a theologian that says that these verses are the gateway, the filter for the Sermon on the Mount, where everything is birthed through these couple of verses. So we find out that in, these pa- in this passage, that Je- what Jesus thinks about himself, what he actually believes about himself, what he believes about the Word of God and about other people. So they're very, this is a very important passage. This is also a foundational teaching here at Resonate. A lot of our values come out of this passage of Scripture and this topic. So it's always really important to just recap the values of our church. And so if you've been with us for a while, you might have heard some of this teaching and some of these points before. So this message is going to be packed with scripture, so I want to encourage you to write these addresses of these passages down so that you can go back and reference them later. So the first scripture, this is our theme scripture, is Matthew 5, verse 17. It says this, Don't even begin to think that I have come to do away with the law and the prophets. I haven't come to do away with them, but to fulfill them. I say to you very seriously that as long as heaven and earth exist, neither the smallest letter nor the the smallest stroke of a pen will be erased from the law until everything there becomes a reality. Therefore, whoever ignores one of the least of these commands and teaches others to do the same will be called the lowest in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps these commands and teaches people to keep them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I say to you that unless your righteousness is greater than the righteousness of the legal experts and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So when he says, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, that's a first century, again, that's a first century idiomatic way of referencing the entire Old Testament. So he is saying, I didn't come to abolish the Bible. He is saying there is fulfillment in my birth, my life, my death, my resurrection, and my ascension, and my promise of return. There is fulfillment in that grace. So why did he start it this way? That's a good question. Why did he come out of the gate saying, I didn't come to abolish what you've taught and learned. I've come to fulfill it. Well, he's saying this because people were basically saying he came to abolish the Bible, and this would be breaking Jewish law. So the keepers of the law accused him of breaking the law. So he has to defend his position, his standing, by starting with what he's not doing. So Jesus, the lawbreaker, says this, basically, I've come to fulfill the law. And through a series of passages says, love is the fulfillment of the law. So 
down in chapter 5 and verse 34, it says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like, is like it. You must love your neighbor as your, you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Now, as the Pharisees were gathering, Jesus asked them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? David's son, they replied. So we see this law and prophet idea again. So the legalist would say they, they are compliant with the rules and sinners break the rules, but the legalist gets life keeping the rules. Jesus comes in and says, life does not come from keeping or breaking the rules. Life comes through the value of love. And they didn't, they didn't like this because human nature is to break or keep the rules. It's like points keeping. It gives people value. When I am right, I feel better about who I am. And we do this today. When I'm right and you're wrong, I'm better than you. I'm more righteous than you. But if you promote love, what are you, some wishy-washy liberal? That's what people think today, that you're just put in this category, that people just think that you're soft and you're just weak, right, when you promote love, that, that all you do is promote love, 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 and nothing else. There's no strength in that, right? When you're a rule keeper, you might say, we love people, but we also think that God crushes down on sin. So that speaks stronger, God crushing down on, on sin. That's, that gives strength, that gives life, that gives more righteousness. I'm better than you. Now, now of course, he's not gonna come crushing down on the sins like, like we do, right? The, the, he crushes the big, bad, deal-breaker sins. Those are the ones that you do, not the ones that I do, right? Your sin, not mine. That's what the legalist was going through in their mind. So not only did Jesus say to love people and that the fulfillment of the law is to love people, he says to love even the biggest of sinners. And he ate with them. He dined with notorious tax collectors and, and prostitutes, people that, people that would make you unclean, if you, you know, according to the law, if you would hang out with a tax collector or a prostitute or somebody that was a criminal you're a notorious sinner, that would make you in a sense unclean and not worthy of the temple. So when you ate with people back then, you were accused of being their friend. And so those that flock together, right, they, they're not, they're, they can be judged not by their decisions, but by the character of those around them. That's what they thought. So since Jesus was such a rule breaker, he obviously had to get rid of the rules, right? According to them, had to get rid of the rules to make himself out to be more right than the others. So let's just get rid of the rules so I seem more righteous. Well, Jesus was working outside of the law and that wasn't accepted. He would do things on the Sabbath that wasn't allowed. And Jesus also <clears throat> would throw the law back at the legal experts like the woman caught in adultery. They were gonna, they were gonna stone her and he said, okay, let's stone her but the one that is innocent cast the first stone. So he also depended that or he he depended the law on the law and said things like if you hate inside your heart you've already committed murder. So he deepens the interpretation and 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 takes that law depends on it and deepens it and 
and takes it like more into the internal heart level. So in a sense, he was using the law to prove that no one is above the law and no one can claim that they are righteous in the law. Well, that would make the legalist mad. So there's no one able to carry out the law, so the law then becomes obsolete. Well, even though Jesus is seemingly bending and going around and all out reinterpreting and replacing the law with his own teaching, he still says that he did not come to abolish the law. He says that he came to fulfill the law. So what does it mean to fulfill something? Well, in the first century, there's two ways to fulfill the law. First, you can follow every detail of the law by meticulously keeping it, meticulous compliance to the law. And this is what the, the Pharisees tried to do, meticulous compliance. They put fences around the law that you couldn't even walk a certain number of paces on the Sabbath or do certain things on the Sabbath because that would be considered work. Well, the second way is you could fulfill the law in terms of doing the law in what it was intended to do, to embody the law by carrying out the heart of the law. And that is what Jesus did carried out the greatest command to love God and to love others. Well, in Romans 13, starting in verse 8, don't be in debt to anyone except for the obligation to love each other. Whoever loves another person has fulfilled the law. The commandments, don't commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't desire what others have, and any other commandments all are summed up with one word. You must love your neighbor as yourself. Love doesn't do anything wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is what fulfills the law. So I'm not just making this up and just interpreting something that Jesus and Paul didn't, didn't say or something. It says it right in scripture that love is what fulfills the law. Paul is saying that this is the embodiment. This is the fulfillment of all things ancient and current. And this is our purpose and the way that we are to live. This shows the condition of the heart and the soul. And this is what heals people above anything else. So love is the center of the center. It's like Christianity 101. It's children's church and Christianity PhD. It's the center that we put the emphasis on and gravitate towards in all things. So Colossians 3.14, and over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. In 1 Peter 4.8, above all show sincere love to each other because love brings about the forgiveness of many sins. So we have opinions on theology and we have opinions on politics and we have judgment calls on what people do and preferences about what we like and don't like and we think certain things are right and certain things are wrong. What's more important than any of that, what's more important than even your opinion and what's more important even than their opinion, what's more important is love. We are to put on love above everything and anything. Why? Because love covers. In 1 Peter, it says, love brings about the forgiveness of sins. 
So the NIV translation in 1 Peter, as love covers a multitude of sins, and I really appreciate that translation. It covers a multitude of sins. So how big is that person's sin to you? Is that person's sin bigger than any sin that you could ever think about? They are this the biggest sinner of all sinners of all sinners of all sinners. Love covers it. Love covers the biggest of sins. All sins love covers. So in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, love puts up with all things, trusts all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. That's not some wedding ceremony verse. It is. But we are to embody that. Love puts up with all things, trusts in all things, hopes for all things, and endures all things. Now, last time I checked, all means all. So our posture is the posture of love. What we think, what we say, what we do has to be ruled by love. So the most important question that we can ask is, are the things that I'm thinking, are the things that I'm saying, are the things that I'm doing, are they washed with love? Is it expressed and is it motivated with love? The things that I say to you, the things that you say to me, are they said through the filter of love? So to make sure that we know what love is, well, 1 John 3 gives us a very tangible example and definition of the application of love. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. <laughs> but if someone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but refuses to help, how can the love of God dwell in a person like that? So there's nothing that Jesus couldn't sacrifice, and there's nothing that we can't sacrifice. To yield and to sacrifice and to replicate Jesus is the act of generosity and giving of time, treasures, and talents in your life, in your mind, in your space, in your presence, in somebody's life. That's the act of love into another person's existence. So in Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, therefore imitate God like dearly loved children, live your life with love, follow the example of Christ who loved us, gave his life for us, and he was sacrificial. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. So this mimic God or mimic Jesus, the mimetai is the Greek word, to imitate. So we are to imitate Jesus in his sacrificial love. So if we ascribe worth to others at the expense of ourselves. We sacrifice so that people would feel, experience, and perceive love. That is what we are supposed to be on mission to do. And that is indiscriminate. And we need to be very careful about, about making sure that what we say, do, and how we offer people's love, how we offer love to people is indiscriminate. And the Bible says, as the rain falls and the sun shines, we love like that. So this sums up everything that we're called to do. So as a church, we are a community that loves like Jesus. This is the mimetai. We love like Jesus. This is the mark that we cannot miss. We mimic Jesus so that people will experience the Spirit of God, the presence of God in their life, the love of God, the grace of God, and the forgiveness of their sin. So maybe this looks like feeding those through home PDX like we do on a monthly basis. Maybe this looks like joining with Tara Baker in her mission to the unsheltered in our community and surrounding area. Maybe, maybe this looks like volunteering or serving with an organization that, that helps children. 
Maybe this looks like joining a community group and investing in the people that are a part of it, knowing their lives and helping them carry burdens. Maybe this looks like welcoming your neighbor at your table and dining with them and getting to know their name and their life. This can look different and can be expressed in so many different ways. And I believe it is crucial to our Christian walk that we truly look through the filter and the law of love, the fulfillment of the law through love, and see that all we think and all we say and all we do, we do it washed in love, in indiscriminate, unconditional, like the rain falls and the sun shines, we offer love to others. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this moment with this scripture that we can just learn about your love in our lives so that we can love others. Lord, help us to do this each and every day, to put aside, Lord, our differences and our disagreements and our opinions and our thoughts about stuff. Lord, I just pray that love can be greater than all things because love covers all things. Lord, love ushers in the forgiveness of sin. So Lord, help us to be, Lord, your ambassadors. Help us to be your ambassadors for love in with our neighbor and our friends, Lord, and the people that we don't know. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.